We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here we are live uh, shortly after the NBA 6 p.m. deadline for um, ex- uh, offering extensions to first round rookie picks from uh, the 2020 draft. Um, Emmanuel quickly is the relevant Nick here did not did not agree to an extension. Somewhat surprising, although I think as uh, we'll uh, touch on a bit and I, I don't want to speak for Jeremy, but I think in the last couple days, um, especially as the McDaniels number came out and it became, I, well, I don't want to, I don't want to presume anything, but my assumption is that Emmanuel quickly did not sign an extension because he was looking for a pretty high number and the Knicks were not just not willing to go there, but we'll get into all that. And more importantly, why the Knicks were not willing to go to a certain place with Emmanuel quickly. I have Jeremy Cohen here. He is not here for that long. So I am going to, um, let him open it up and then I will, uh, he has to get out of here. So I'll piggyback off of that. Thanks, John. Yeah. If you're watching again, I'm not tan uh, that quickly. It's once again, just shoddy hotel or hostel lighting this time hotel. Uh, yes. So my, I, I am surprised, you know, I was hopeful based on a lot of what Ian Begley was saying and other reporting yep. that, uh, that there would be a deal and there certainly wasn't. And it's frustrating. Of course, the issue here is the Knicks cannot extend Emmanuel quickly at any point in the season. The deadline has passed. The only time that they can resume conversations that are, you know, other than back and forth is this summer. And I think the thing that frustrates me more is the fan thinking of next moves. Look, I mean, it's not like, hey, this means quickly is as good as gone or anything of the sort. The Knicks aren't going to treat him like a distressed asset. They're going to treat him because they know he's a good player. It's the question of team control, where this is a front office that has really prioritized being able to maximize their ins and outs. Yep. So when you look at what the Knicks have done, the only player who is really going to be a restricted free agent of note was RJ Barrett. And then Knicks came to an agreement before, well, before the deadline, it was because of the Donovan Mitchell trade situation where they 
they did that. Mitchell Robinson was an unrestricted free agent. And it turns out that a huge reason why they did not agree to such a deal was number one, Mitchell Robinson made more money. But number two, it's because they leveraged Mitchell Robinson's low cap hold to get cap space for Jalen Brunson. That doesn't happen here. Quickly is going to have a high cap hold. Uh, and even if he even if he didn't, the whole point is that financially speaking, uh, Knicks don't have cap space. That's not a move for them. So I think my big fear, and I've uh, again, I don't want to worry people out there, but I haven't been shy about saying this, where the Knicks not, ex- not agreeing to an extension opens the door for, okay, are the Knicks looking into moving Emmanuel quickly this season? And if they are, what does that look like? What type of return? Because the Knicks aren't going to be the type of team where they're like, well, we're going to trade him for a pick without any sort of coverage. That's just not how it no. should go. And I doubt the Knicks would do that. They've never really gone about it that way. So to me, it's just, I, I'm happy for Quick and that he's betting on himself. But as a Knicks fan who really does appreciate Emmanuel quickly, I, I'm left wondering, you know, is this the last season we see him? Is this, do we see him for the full season here? I just don't know. I, that was all very well said. I, a couple things. Let me just start off by saying, um, for some reason, I think more than like wins and losses, more than even maybe trades, for Nick fans in particular, and I know RJ broke the, the quote unquote curse. I think the notion of the Knicks drafting a player, having that player be very good, which Emmanuel quickly undoubtedly has been, and then them not coming to terms on an extension, rookie extension with that player, hits a very particular type of nerve, which is why you just said a bunch of logical stuff. I'm going to attempt to say some logical things, and it's not going to amount to a hill of beans to the vast majority of the people watching who are just sitting there and stewing over the fact that the Knicks did not sign Emmanuel quickly to a contract extension. I fully understand that. My attempt, um, and to the extent that you are going to be able to hang out with us for a bit, at yours uh, as well, is not going to be to talk anybody off the ledge because we ain't doing that. Um, I have many talents. That's not one of them. (laughs) But I I do at least want to help people understand why we are sitting here um, as we are. And the short answer, and Jeremy feels like this is more, this maybe opens the door a little bit more for quickly to get moved this, uh, this season. I am looking, and I, I'm not saying Jeremy doesn't think this, I'm, but I, I, it's a different way to look at it. I am thinking more down the line uh, in terms of, I think, based on the McDaniels number that came in and what when was the Vassell number? That was last week. Um, based on the Vassell number that came in, and maybe I'm trying to think if there was any others that really could have influenced this. I don't think there was. Um, Quickly's people looked at those two extensions said uh, accurately, by the way, I have done more as an NBA player than both Devin Vassell and Jade McDaniels. They are getting $27 million a year for five years. I know I have done more, at least last season, as an NBA player than R.J. Barrett. And you all gave R.J. Barrett 26.75, might as well be $27 million a year, just last summer. And he didn't exactly live up to that contract over the course of the regular season. Playoffs, different story. Um, why in God's green earth would I take something less than that number? Um, that is where I assume, I assume, famous last words, but that is where I assume Quickly's position was steeped in. And I am also going to assume 
if his position was steeped in the fact that um, he was not budging off of a certain number, the Knicks simply put did not felt that there was less risk involved in letting quickly potentially get to, well, not potentially getting to restrict free agency. If he's still here um, next summer, then in signing him to a contract that they did not feel would be an unquestioned asset to their portfolio. And that is really, I said this is going to be the short version. Here's the short version. The Knicks are not a contender yet. And this move speaks to the fact that they are not a contender yet. And they need to operate as a team that, while trying to win, is not yet a contender. And because they are not yet a contender, and because there are still there is still at least one big trade coming, and possibly more than one big trade coming, and the second apron is not that far away from where they are right now, they need to operate um, still serving several masters. And one of those masters they have to serve, unfortunately for Emmanuel Quickly, is yeah, we know you've been great. You've been everything. And we could have asked for from a 25th pick and then some. But we cannot give you a blank check because of where we are at as a franchise. Part of that has to do with what Jeremy said. A little bit of flexibility. You know, like how I guess maybe I'll ask you like it in a different way. It's almost as if maybe the Knicks had to look at themselves and be like, what is it worth it for us to to um, sacrifice the potential of using Emmanuel quickly in a trade? before this season's trade deadline that that had to factor in here just like how is another team going to view Emmanuel quickly on a five-year 135 million dollar extension as a trade piece next summer to say nothing of the I think this is still a remote possibility but they maybe who knows maybe they were talking themselves about well what if the trade doesn't materialize next summer what if we're sitting here in a year and a half from now or closer to two years from now and we're staring at the second apron how easy will it be to, to to get real value for Emmanuel quickly? Them, if we need to move a piece to duck the second apron, um, go ask Atlanta how that worked out with John Collins. Obviously, Emmanuel quickly is a much better player than John Collins. But like once upon a time, Atlanta looked at the John Collins extension and be like, yeah, it's $25 million a year. We're safe. Someone's always going to want this. Well, someone did, and it, they, you got nothing for it. Um, again, not comparing the players, not even necessarily comparing the situations, but these are the sorts of calculations teams need to go through when they are, again, trying to win, which notably San Antonio was not yet. They don't have to worry about these things. That's why they can hand Devin Vassell all that money, but not yet a contender. Um, that's my main thing that I wanted to say. It goes much deeper than, oh, they didn't think Emmanuel Cookie was worth it. That's nothing to do with what they think Emmanuel Cookie is worth. A little bit, but more about how they view him as a, as a piece. Did you, you're, I'll turn it back to you. What are your thoughts? I would agree with that, especially in the sense of the Knicks. I mean, I'm go even further back. Brock Aller has historically been more comfortable paying a premium for team control. Yeah. And the challenge with restricted free agency is, okay, you are, uh, you're Emmanuel quickly and you're hitting the free agency market. That's all well and good from the Knicks perspective. It's well, that's one moving piece that we don't have because John, I mean, you, basically mentioned it, and this is the case, we know the Knicks are consistently going to be in town acquisition mode. I know that sounds silly because what team isn't in town acquisition mode, but the Knicks are have frequently been tied to a lot of star names, more so than a lot of other teams, because a lot of other teams happen to have better talent than, you know, the Knicks. The Knicks are still a really good team. Don't yes. mean to put down the talent they have. It's just, we know they keep getting caught up in who's that next big star as opposed to focusing inward quickly not signing an extension 
throws a bit of uh, a challenge in there because now aggregating salary becomes a lot harder with the math. It's yep. not like you could just sign and trade a player and base your compensation comes into play. You need to get quickly to agree to go to the team to make a deal where if the money has to work out all of these things. It's a headache, quite frankly. And the thing is, it makes the Knicks options in such a trade more limited. Right, like Can we stay on that for one sec. You're just sure. to be clear. You are talking about the scenario that it unfolded last summer with Donovan Mitchell and Colin Sexton, where Colin Sexton, entering restricted free agency, had to essentially agree to a deal with Danny Ainge as part of the larger Donovan Mitchell trade, and they agreed on a deal, and he got ended up getting paid handsomely for because Utah's kind of again they were starting a rebuild. They could give. They could afford to give Colin Sexton a little bit more money, even if even if he may not have shown that he was worth it. But they still needed to come to that agreement. To your point, hundred percent, and quickly is going to come to an agreement on some sort of contract next summer. Uh, no pun intended. Far more quickly than Colin Sexton did. Sexton was battling an injury. I mean, we hope that quickly is healthy enough where he's not in the same position. But with all that in mind, it just it gums up the works for whatever the quote unquote grand plan here is going to be. And I just don't know how that impacts the Knicks this season and beyond. That's Which, the tricky part. And I get like, if I'm quickly, I would, I understand why I would want to bet on myself. I understand the philosophy of it's actually probably more likely for me. Well, I shouldn't say more likely because he, I mean, he could still get dealt before the deadline, but if he's here after the deadline, it's probably easier, more likely he stays than not because if he locks into an extension, he's taking the money and the guarantees over the control of where he gets to be. But again, that he could still be traded this season and and it's all for naught. But the one thing I want to say in terms of restricted free agency, I know that when a player hits restricted free agency and there's limited talent on the market, when it's a Nick that's on the free agent market, it's often, oh my God, we're going to lose this player. Whereas when it's another player on another team, it's like, well, this team is probably going to keep their player because that's how restricted free agency is designed. Like Austin Reeves. Well, I was, you there was the belief of mouth. four years, $99 million, right? He did yeah. not make that. He made a little, uh, he made around half that. And then the Lakers were able to leverage that scenario. And I'm not saying the Knicks can't do that. The Knicks basically said to themselves, we would rather have quickly bet on himself and play the restricted free agent game than us bid against ourselves. Even if we feel like having that contract, make it more fungible next off season is a better priority. Can I throw? Yeah, yes, no, 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 go, no, no, go, no, no. I was just going to say that I, I was, I, I wrote down two, literally on my little card here, I wrote down two things, Reeves. And I think that maybe the better one is Cam Johnson because the Reeves things was, was such an anomaly that based on what he showed in the playoffs, even four for a hundred, essentially, which is what it would have been, not would have been a bargain, but it would like, you're, if you're the Lakers, you're, you're signing up for that for Austin Reeves, Cam Johnson, again, team like Detroit, all the money in the world to spend nowhere to go, but up there was talk about, well, they're going to make a big, 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 offer to him like that would really have to make the Nets sweat it out that offer never came which I think is indicative of the fact that like teams are just extraordinarily gun shy about offering something close to max money or you know in the neighborhood north of 30 right or somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to a guy that is like really good NBA player right like you know quality starter whatever you want to say but like 
mm, boy, I know we're Detroit. I know we have money to spend, but do we really want to commit this much money? So now we're fast forwarding to next summer and you're going to hear about the Orlando's and the Detroit's and the San Antonio's of the world. And all it takes is one. All it takes is one, right? Just to, and hey, the Knicks have been that one with Tim Hardaway Jr. once upon a time. So like, it doesn't always have to be a logical decision. Although teams are, I, I think, are pretty well run now. And clearly the Knicks are making a bet that like, based on whatever happens this season, there is not going to be a team out there next summer that is going to come with the well, I don't know, four for 115, four for 112. I mean, like, like something in that range, right? Right. And the Knicks are, it's not like, hey, there's an offer that's so terrible that we're just going to let him walk, right? At least that's the presumption I am operating under. Because they will the not let Emmanuel quickly. Yeah. This is not a, a, a Jalen Brunson situation, which, by the way, they had, they had no matching. Right. So correct. Important difference for anybody wondering like, Oh, what if he just leaves like Jalen Brunson? They could, the, the Mavs could not match if, if Jalen Brunson wanted to walk, the Knicks can't. I would imagine the season will play out somewhat as follows, assuming health. If Emmanuel quickly plays very well to the point where he is still integral to the Knicks and they can't get a piece back for him that is worthwhile, then they'll keep him. If he's not playing well, then the Knicks would feel confident because, hey, they could get him to agree to a number that is closer to what they had originally signed up for. And if he exceeds expectations well beyond belief, then he did a great job betting on himself. But the good news is that the Knicks still have the power to match any offer available. If he's that good, he's not going to take a qualifying offer. So it's... Again, it would be nicer if we could have just laid this to rest. And we can to an extent because... It's not like negotiations can continue, but there is still the agita in the back of my mind, for example, which is like, well, four months from now, three months from now, what's the conversation going to be like? And how frustrating is it going to be where we're talking about Emmanuel quickly in trade rumors? Yeah. Whereas if he had signed an extension, the poison pill would have made a trade this season virtually very illogical. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the only other thing I'll say is it, it really does make you wonder, for me at least, because again, the Knicks, the Knicks know that this is at some point down the line, unless they have a trade fall in their lap that they are absolutely in love with before the February deadline, which you can never count on. Um, the Knicks know by not extending today, they are signing themselves up for more work. Like that's that's the thing I want everybody to understand who's pissed at Leon Rose right now. Trust, I, I guarantee you there's no one on earth who wanted to get this extension done more than Leon Rose. Leon Rose is signing himself up for a more difficult job next summer, not an easier job. For them to have done that willingly and not ceded to Quickly's terms, it does make me wonder what he was seeking. And like, I have to, I, it's it only fitting that we close this intro with a tweet from the one and only Mark Berman. I'll just going to read it verbatim. Uh, hold on. I just retweeted it here so let me pull it up um berman claims yes no surprise the deal was not done agent raymond brothers who i've known for 24 years believes iq will be an all-star one day which like look i'm sure a lot of clients believe a lot of or a lot of agents believe a lot of their clients could be an all-star one day but i mean you want to talk about putting your money where your mouth is like if you're if the knicks were willing to do something in the range of 18, 19, 20, maybe go to 21, maybe go to 22 for four years, let's say. 
And he was seeking five years for something, again, around the numbers that we're seeing these other guys get, $27 million a year. That's a that's a big deal. And who knows? Maybe maybe he was seeking even more than 27 a year. It just it makes me wonder what the number was. Was it five years that they were demanding with like maybe with no options or player option or whatever? Yeah, makes me wonder. My my hunch, and who knows, but whether you want to say hey, Julius Randle should go in a trade, RJ Barrett should go in a trade, depending on whatever side you fall on. The one thing that we can agree on, because we have no choice because it's math, is that their salaries are so close that for the facilitating purposes, it's one or the other, right? If you add in some sort of salary filler, and again, IQ is way more than what I'm calling a salary filler. I'm just talking about the money that is required to make the uh, you know the gears churn for this deal to go through, to grease the wheels. If the Knicks committed to IQ at a number that is much higher than that, right? Like you get to 18 plus 27, you're in the $45 million range. Perfect. Sweet spot. That sounds great. If IQ is looking for a higher number and who knows, like did the Knicks want an ascending contract? Cause if they wanted an ascending contract, yeah. you get a lower cap hit for the first year, which again, if it's, let's say it's 18, 19 million when paired with another salary, that works fine. That's why I would imagine it would have been ascending versus descending because descending would have meant a lot of money going out. But who knows? It 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 could have been the case. But mm. in this particular case, if the money's too high for them and it, they look at the players that they want that are available for trade that fit, like, well, if we do this, it means that it's a little lopsided to get this player uh, yeah. or this player. Or if that one's unavailable, it kind of constricts us there. What's the cap situation of that team? All of these factors that are hidden factors, so to speak, that absolutely matter to this. Yep. And I think from the fan perspective, right, the emotional appeal is I love Emmanuel quickly. That's I want Emmanuel quickly on this team. I want him to be extended because if he's here, then that's what matters because he's a really good player. And I think that is a totally valid way of thinking about it. It's, it's fandom, but it's valid and it has complete rationale. From the Knicks perspective, as they continue looking to get that next big piece, mm. they're not going to put themselves in a position that makes them uncomfortable in a way that could jeopardize the ultimate goal. And that's just the annoying part for us to grapple with. It, I, I literally couldn't have put it any better. Um, yeah, I, I mean, just the, the, very, the last thing I just do want to say because you made, you started the the show by talking about the contracts that the Knicks have signed under Leon Rose, and I would be tempted if I was someone listening to that to be like, well, wait, hold on, seventy two million dollars, Evan Fournier, how much did they give Alec Burks on the second contract, Nolan's Noel on the second contract, Derek Rose on the second contract, second contract. There are two categories of contracts we're talking about here: contracts where they were, what the hell. I don't know what that was. That was uh, it's balloons. balloons. Happy birthday, John. Apparently. No, not till May. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew pushed a button, I think. <laughs> anyway. Um, no celebrating right now. No. There are there are contracts where it's like the Knicks were looking at, at them as like, okay, we need to guard ourselves against real downside risk, which is why the most important part... Andrew is apparently confused. Which is why the most important part of the... Maybe we got hacked. 
um, which is why the most important part of the Burks deal and the Noel deal and the Rose deal was third year team option. They were paying for the out, right? Even the Fournier deal. Four years, what was the fourth year? It was a team option, which is why even if it went horribly wrong, which it did, arguably, um, it was still not something that they knew. They knew what the calculations were. They knew what the next several years of money was going to look like. They knew it was not. if it went wrong, it was not going to be the end of the world. This is a different sort of contract. This is in the RJ, which is why you brought it up. Which This is in the RJ Barrett category, which is like, we need this player on this contract to retain a certain modicum of value not for us, but around the league, if and when the time comes where we have to make the trade. So I just wanted to throw that in there before we got those inevitable comparisons. And one thing we talked about over the summer was how few teams have players earning over 17, like multiple point guards earning $17 million or more. There's three of them right now, right? Just as a refresher, it's the Celtics. At the time we talked about Malcolm Brogdon, Derek White, Brogdon's out, Drew Holiday's in. Um, it is the Brooklyn Nets where you've got Ben Simmons and Spencer Dinwiddie. Ben Simmons, of course, was the sunk cost of getting rid of uh, one James Harden. Spencer Dinwiddie, the cost of acquiring um, one or getting rid of Kyrie Irving. So that's that. And then you have the Warriors who have Stephen Curry, the greatest shooter of all time. And <laughs> they moved Jordan Poole for Chris Paul who is on essentially an expiring contract because I don't see any reason why his $30 million contract following year is getting picked up unless it's because he's viewed as continuous soup. And for a team that has that much money committed in the Warriors, I don't see it. Uh, They got Pajemski. They drafted him to probably fill that void down the line. So, So for the Knicks, it's why it always felt a little tenuous in terms of, yeah, if you agree to a contract with this guy and this guy being quickly, that's great. But how long is the overlap going to be here? And I think well, that, that question will still remain no matter whether that, he would have signed today or not. Yeah, I guess maybe, maybe the best thing I could say, and then we'll, I'll let you go. Um, whether Emmanuel quickly signed a contract extension today or didn't, as it turned out to be the case, it was not going to change how secure Quickly's place was as a future Nick past this season. Um, it got slightly more likely that he will not last the entire season in New York. But in terms of like, oh, they didn't sign him to an extension. Now he might be gone after this year. Newsflash for everybody. That was going to be that was going to be so on the table. Like that was that was the table. There was no table. That was the whole table. Um, Because again, what Jeremy just said, it's just this is you only have so many dollars to spend. And um, Jalen Brunson's here and he plays a certain position and Emmanuel quickly is here and he does a lot of things that Jalen Brunson doesn't do. There's a lot of things that there aren't anybody on the Knicks that do. Be very clear about that for anybody yelling and screaming. I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, Knicks are in a position where they have to make some tough decisions and uh, that manifested itself today. Jeremy, anything else before I let you get out of here? I think that's all. You know, I mean, there's some good contract extensions that happened today. It's, I think the five year portion of it for non-max players is giving me sticker shock. Not like, not in a bad way. It's just like, yeah, Jaden McDaniel's getting five years and what, $136 million. And you think that's a lot. And then you're like, it's really not. He's worth it. I I thought the number was a little low. Right. But it's, it's the raising it's that fifth year. And it's that the cap goes up every year to the point where I don't even know how many 
truly bad contracts there are in the NBA. The way that inflation is rising, or not inflation, but the, the way that the cap increases, if, especially if it eclipses 5% raises, 8% raises, then these deals look a lot more palatable, which then lends credence to the, why didn't the Knicks just sign Emmanuel quickly if that's what they felt? And I think it just still goes back to, and I hate to keep bringing it up because I want Emmanuel quickly to be on this team, but I just am yeah. staring at the face of the reality that the Knicks themselves have constantly been looking for, and that is the star portion of it. And if it doesn't fit with their MO of how do we put ourselves in position to get a star in the door, at least one, and potentially complementary pieces as well that fit based on said star, then decisions like this have to happen, or rather non-decisions if you want to call it that. So I will, uh, I'll leave you with it at that. John, good luck with the questions of uh, distressed folks. I wish you well. I wish them well. I wish everyone well, because uh, it would have been nice to just wrap this up with a bow, but season's not canceled. Still on. We'll no, play the great one. Starts tomorrow. Or mm-hmm. Nick started on Wednesday. All right. Thank you, Jeremy. You're the man. Appreciate you spending the, the amount of time you were able to. Thanks, John. Ah, on that note, hey, Andrew. I know you're bummed. You, it, what's become very clear to me over the last several months as we've had conversations on and off air is that you, I don't know if it's, I would say you have a soft spot for quickly, but you really like him as a player and you think he's just immensely valuable. And I'm, I'm sure this, this is not sitting great with you right now. Well, I'll say it it was compounded by these horrific city edition jerseys. I was hoping for some good news to come later in the day, but alas, not a lot of good Knicks news uh, on the court that we're going to see. I will say this because the lack of extension is not final. Like he's not walking tomorrow. Uh, I think if he was, if he was any bit different of a person, I would be worried this could like affect his on-court play. And the number one thing that Tibbs, that his teammates all talk about, even said literally today in their media availability is how much of a workhorse he is, how Mm -hmm. much uh, belief he has in himself. RJ talking about how you have to get him off the court. Tibbs has talked about how he's a, a gym rat. So I think this could actually benefit the Knicks as far as the on-court product is concerned because he's now going to go out there with the attempt to have a career year. So the last time we saw something like this happen, after a poor playoff performance, Jalen Brunson was lowballed by his franchise yeah. and uh, decided to bet on himself. And he earned himself a four-year contract from the New York Knicks, which the rest is history. What are you... J- John just made a face for those listening on the podcast. What is... Oh, what is the thing? Oh, oh, how do you like them apples? Okay, I'm in a better mood because I was right. Uh, Good job. Anyone who predicted this Giannis three year, one hundred and eighty six million dollar contract extension. So the Knicks will not be extending Emmanuel quickly or trading him for Giannis next summer in that star trade. in, In fairness. We've been saying since the Dame trade like that, it didn't. Officially take Giannis did off we the say table. That? Did, did we say that, John? Did we not say that? I know I've been very much on like Giannis isn't going anywhere. Like the whole, I think the all the 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 press tour he did this summer was about putting pressure on his franchise to do stuff, and then the moment they did stuff, he would extend. And 
That's exactly and what you, happened. And, that, and that's absolutely what happened. You called it. You were stronger on that side more than me. Um, but like, I mean, I, I, I'll for me, it was more like, OK, after the Dame trade, it was like there was no more like, oh, how do we wait on Giannis? Do we not wait on Giannis next summer? If other opportunities arise like that was that was never going to be a thing. And now it is officially very much not a thing officially. So we'll see what happens in Philadelphia. That's something that's going to be something to monitor. Hopefully not something that we have to pay attention to because we'll have a good basketball team that we're watching. Jeremy kind of hit on it. And I think you did too. You both talked about the fan side of this because the business decision as annoying as it is to understand it, you can understand it. The you already paid your point guard paying another point guard, the same amount is not 100% well, necessary. However, because I, I do want to get to the super chats because other people yeah. want to either yell at sure. you or agree with you. I have to go back to baseball. When the Mets let Jacob DeGrom walk and did make an offer to him, and then he got an offer, a bag at this point in his career, the obvious reasons were there to let him walk. Jacob DeGrom's injury history, his age, and it was like the Mets made a good business decision. And the thing I kept going back to was like, yeah, but it's going to suck that he's not on my team anymore. And this was the beginning feeling of one day it's going to suck when Emmanuel quickly is not on my team anymore. Well, so I advise Knicks fans. We got a, a, a guy with a work ethic and character and something you can depend on. That's not going to affect his on-court play. And I think that will reflect in what is now most likely a contract year. Last thing I'll say from a business perspective, it is there a chance it comes back to bite the Knicks in the ass? Absolutely. Like a, a team, you know, th there might not be a star trade that materializes next summer, or it's a star trade that Emmanuel quickly won't agree to be a part of because he doesn't want to sign in a, a contract extension or, or with whatever team it is that they're, you know, trying to make a trade with. Uh, or some team comes in and puts a, 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 an incredibly team unfriendly contract offer on the table that quickly then signs that offer sheet and the Knicks are forced to make all kinds of ways that could go wrong to say nothing. Aside from the fact that the team could just blow him away with a lot of money. Here's the thing, though, and this is why it's a good financial decision, ultimately, or, or let me rephrase that, why it's a risk they're willing to take. If a team comes in and makes it priority 1A on their whiteboard to get Emmanuel quickly from the Knicks, that means Emmanuel quickly has gone out and had an outstanding year. Mm-hmm. Which, if that is the doomsday scenario for the Knicks, which, to be clear, is the worst-case scenario, Team comes and blows them, blows him away with a, a max, let's say a max offer. There is not a team anywhere. I don't care how bad they are. I don't care how much money they have to spend that is going to put that amount of money on the table unless they saw something from quickly last year, this year rather, this upcoming year, that leaves a much better taste in their mouth than what we last saw quickly do during the playoffs, which is failed to even average 10 points a game. Um, so again, no, I mean, look, it's the playoffs happened. So did the they playoffs happened. And then we look. We didn't, yeah. I didn't say it in the intro, but like again, I'm I'm happy. For Emmanuel quickly's betting on himself. I'm happy. Emmanuel quickly. I he, maybe he's not wrong. Maybe he will be an all star someday. But the Knicks, as a negotiator in a business negotiation, have available to them all of the evidence that you know, and that's what comes up. And like. If quickly was sitting there being like, "Hey man, you're it's it's twenty seven plus or nothing," um, 
you know, who am I to, to look at Leon Rose and say, how dare you take the risk and bring this to restricted free agency rather than give quickly something in that number? And we don't know that that's the number. We don't know that that's the number. Because that's the, that's the issue with throwing numbers. I'm waiting for the reporting. I'm waiting for what Ian has to say about this, what Fred has to say about this. We'll be on our show tomorrow. I'm curious if a number gets floated out there. We heard four for 55 with Jalen Brunson, which he was offended by. I wonder if we'll get a number that the Knicks went to well, that quickly is then like, I, I'll bet on myself then. Because I know we've all personally thrown our numbers out there. And we also said at one point last year that the extension is probably going to start with a, with a one. And then the playoffs happened. I recognize yeah. the playoffs brought down the price of the brick. It doesn't change the fact that I think using a small sample size to evaluate a player's worth over an 82 game schedule is not good. Analysis. No, I, I think it's he a, a better player than that small sample. It's size a piece. It's a piece of evidence. It is. It's a piece of evidence. And it, you know, let's say, let's say quickly wanted five for one twenty-five. I'll, I'll lean on Fred Katz who did the reporting last year during the season. I think it was actually, was it after the playoffs? It might've been after the playoffs. Either way, Pulled 15 NBA executives, the very highest. And there was a little bit of a margin between the person that was the highest and the next highest of the 15. No one went higher than five for, for, for 125. And the average was right around uh, four for in the 80s, I think, right? Right around 18, 19 a year. So not even 80, you know, like a little less than 20. That was the mm-hmm. average. Now, that doesn't mean everything, might not mean anything. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's uh, see what people have to say and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do the thing. You got it. Okay, Kevin Danishevsky, legit pissed off at the front office for the first time since that, that, that. I'm not sure. IQ is a star in the making. All the metrics suggest so. Um, he's the Knicks' best young asset. Yeah, he is the best Knicks' best young asset. And they wanted to keep him as the best young asset on the Knicks. And they were worried that paying him whatever it is that his camp wanted would then relegate him to a status that, hey, ooh, wait a minute. We, we love Emmanuel quickly, you know, says Team X out there. Um, but I don't know if we love him at that number, you know? Um, and that's the tough part here is because you're going to hear, I'm sure, about the, again, the Detroits and the Orlandos and the San Antonios and the whoever else is of the world that are going to co- maybe consider coming in and blowing quickly away with a big offer. That's a 
only part of the story. The Knicks aren't really they. I'm not saying they shouldn't be concerned about that, but they have to be concerned about Quickly's marketability to a whole other plethora of teams who they could potentially be looking to include him in a deal to send there. And again, people have uh, uh, people who love Manuel Quickly, of which you are one, and, and there are many others out there, want to come through the their phone or computer screen and start choking me because here I am talking exclusively almost about Emmanuel quickly as a trade asset when all anybody wants is to just discuss Emmanuel quickly as a player on the Knicks because he's been good for the Knicks and the Knicks haven't had a whole lot of good players over the recent history. I get that. I totally understand that. That's not how Leon Rose has the luxury of operating right now. He just doesn't. And if you don't agree with that, then you know, you're living in a fantasy world. Respectfully. Thanks, Kev. Harry Donert, very disappointed. I believed Ian. Yeah, you listen, when which is why I, you know, Ian Bagley has been consistently reporting pretty much throughout the summer summer. He'd be surprised if a deal didn't get done. Fred Katz kind of intimated the same. Those are those two are the best in the business. Um I so th- that would lead one to believe that. Either someone's position materially changed um, or that someone was willing to compromise and another party was not. Um, I'll just say this. I would be utterly shocked if the Knicks were not willing to go to like 20 million a year with incentives. And that's I'm, I know nothing. I've heard nothing. I know nothing. But like that would be shocking to me. Like, I, I, could it get reported? Like, yeah, the Knicks were holding firm at like you know four years for sixty million or something. something like that. I don't think there's a chance in hell that that was that's and and like quickly would have accepted you know four for ninety or so. I don't think that's what this was. I think it's the other way around. I think quickly's camp wanted a big, 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 big number, and I I don't think Leon was willing to go there. Dom Cappuccini, I don't believe a deal was done for or wasn't done on lack of trying. Again, I, I say I don't think there's anyone more disappointed to deal and get done than Leon Rose. Um, I think it was a matter of his agents unwilling to settle for under 25 million. Maybe that was the number. 25. I, it's somewhere on there. It's got to be 25, 27, you know, um, something like that. If so, I mean, what can you do? Let's go next. 23, 24. We back again. All right. So Dom's not that heartbroken, it seems. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate you as always, man. Uh, Juanan, is it appropriate to send a bag of gorilla turds to Jaden McDaniel's agent um, asking for someone who just discovered poop sender and is looking for a place to lay blame? I think you're I think it's probably more of a sell. And which is and it, again, the the situation that so you have three three players here, right? Devin Vassell, Jade McDaniels and Emmanuel Quickly. I think the fact that like there are there is such there are so many high level guards in the league that there is at least a and me and Andrew will debate this at some point. There is at least a question as to whether if you put Emmanuel quickly on a lot of teams, whether he starts or not. It's at least a question. Even between him for that specific reason, because there's so many good guards. And he's a little small to play the two, even if he's really good uh, defensively at the things he's very good defensively at. Between that and like Vassell and McDaniel are two guys who 
as long as they're healthy, which again, it's a big that I'm going to get back to the Vassell point in a second. Those guys are six, eight, six, nine wings who could shoot. Jaden McDaniels is already an all defense level player. Devin Vassell profiles is a guy who could get to an all defense level. You want to talk about switchability, defending. I mean, in McDaniels case, you know, he defends point guards. He could defend bigs. You know, Vassell doesn't have quite that level of versatility. And then the shooting. The shooting is already there for both of those guys. The creation, will it come? Will it not come? We'll see. You know, but that's like the unknown, right? Whereas, again, quickly does a lot of the same things for a guard that those guys do for a wing, but he's smaller and it's it's a little bit different. So I put the blame more on Vassell, if anyone, because this is a guy that he was hurt for most of last year. What did he play? 20, I don't know, 30 games, something like that. But in the 30 games he played, he looked really good and the Spurs love him. And here's the best part. They don't have to worry a blessed thing about money for a very long time. So they could afford to give him this contract. Timberwolves, if anything, maybe are the ones who should be a little mad at Vassell because they have more constraints financially, as arguably as many as any team in the league. Um, but again, McDaniels is always going to get a number north of 25. So for them to settle for 27 with him, where again, I think 25 for five was probably his floor. I think they should feel actually pretty good that they didn't have to pay over 30. Um, and which then brings us to quickly. I I just there are people who who look at those deals and like feel like, OK, well, if they got those numbers, then quickly's agents are absolutely correct to demand at least those numbers for him. I, I don't think I quite feel the same way, um, but no, I'm not I'm not blaming McDaniels for this. I think that's a I think the Timberwolves did OK for that um, for themselves there. Mythic Monty, smart move, in my opinion, no poison pill and restricted free agency otherwise. Yeah, I. Yeah, so the so again, it, it a lot more is on the table now. Midseason trade is on the table. Another team coming coming in and making a big offer and restricted free agency is on the table. Um, a sign and trade obviously is on the table, and you know we'll we'll see. Here's the nice. Here's the one thing I will say about the sign and trade possibility. If it's a sign and trade, presumably it's to a team that is sending a star to the Knicks. So it's a team that is going to be entering some modicum of a rebuild. You would think that if that's the situation that Emmanuel quickly gets signed and traded to, probably going to get a chance to start and really get the usage that he clearly wants. You know, which is the other part of this, right? I don't even think we mentioned it yet, but like Emmanuel quickly has gone on the record and says and said, I see myself as a starter. Who knows? Maybe that was part of the calculation. Maybe the part of the calculation was like, okay, I'll come and I'll come and I'll still be your backup. I'll be your backup. I'll be, I'll run, you know, I'll, I'll try to win six man of the year, the whole thing. But you're damn well going to pay me like I'm the third best player on this team because I was last year. And he was, he was the third best player on this team. And that's, that's not the business the Knicks could be in right now. So uh, from that perspective, I would agree with you as a smart move. Blood of the Panda, the Knicks will regret this. So, maybe. It's possible. Anything's possible. Uh, Josso Furcus, the John Macri prediction curse continues. Yeah, I was dead wrong. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, on another note, not how, not sure how this goes well for the Knicks. Well, I mean, oh, I'll get back to that in a second. Yes, extending makes trade in season difficult, but guarantees a better outgoing package for the Knicks. Um, 
again, to to I think ultimately this will again will make their life more difficult next summer if they want to include quickly in a trade package, which I have to imagine they will. The notion that you don't see how it goes well for the Knicks, I think is crazy to say right now. Here's how it goes well for the Knicks. The Knicks, there's a star that wants to get traded to the Knicks. The Knicks want to trade for the star. The team that is willing to trade this the star to the Knicks likes Emmanuel quickly. They're willing to pay Emmanuel quickly. They're entering a rebuild, so they have a little bit more financial flexibility. They don't have to worry about second second apron stuff for years to come. So they're okay. Like, hey, let's make a make a bet on this point guard that has like looked like a like a borderline star player when he's gotten some real opportunity to shine. Let's make that bet and let's really pay him. If I've added everything up correctly, the team gets a guy that they could they could, you know, count as the centerpiece of a trade. Emmanuel quickly gets paid. Emmanuel quickly gets usage. And the Knicks get the start that they want. That's how it ends well. The finances become a little bit more difficult. It's not impossible. Again, Utah just did this with Colin Sexton last summer. Jason M. Jeremy, Knicks trading IQ in 2024 is difficult now. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about that. It's it's harder. It's harder. For sure. It's harder. Becomes much easier at the trade deadline. Haitian Ferg, IQ doesn't fit as a starter on this team. Leon will gamble or, or trade him. Not mad because this only has just begun. If he plays well, we can always match. Yeah. As usual, Haitian Ferg is, is speaking my language. Um, I do want to say one thing very, 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 very clearly, and I, I hope I don't think we implied this, but in case we did, I don't think this is going to make the Knicks like five percent more inclined to trade quickly in a deal that they otherwise would not have included in him before the deadline in February, like. If it's like a deal that they're on the fence about and they kind of they want to do it anyway, but then there's like maybe a, a split where they're like, man, we're really torn about this. Should we do it? Should we not do it? Maybe the fact that like they avoid the impending quickly restricted free agency thing is like the tiebreaker. Other than that, though, I would not I don't think that this would have that large of a impact on whether he's he gets traded at the deadline or not. Uh, Hush Zoo, I'm pretty sad. I won't be, I won't lie, but impossible trade talks. Has IQ's value diminished at all? Also, do you guys see a possible Mavs Brunson situation in this? We talked about that already. It is not analogous. Um, value diminished. I would actually argue that part of the calculation here for the Knicks is quickly value is increased because whoever trades for him, they get, they get matching rights. And I think. You're, I mean, let's look at the two alternatives, right? So if anything, maybe a team trading for him would be a little scared of the fact that they're trading for a player who wants a certain number. Okay. But the player, he wanted that number now. So by signing him to that extension now, it makes him... It, all it does is it, is it secures that fate it takes the potential decision away from the prospective team that could be trading for him at some point down the line. At least now, even if the team trading for him knows that he wants a big number come next summer, at least it's their negotiation and it is their ability to play the restricted free agent game, which again, judging by how restricted free agency has gone for teams in recent years, I don't think any team, like 
I don't I really don't think teams are as as afraid of that as maybe they once were. Um so there's that. I'm trying to think really what and then maybe the other part of it is like maybe quickly would be more amenable to a slightly lower number on a team where he knows he's going to be the starter and getting big time usage. So again, we'll 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 see how it all works out. Uh, Hamdi M. What's going on, Hamdi? Hey, gentlemen. Hope all is well. I understand the big picture argument, and it makes sense. How do you think this will impact his play on the court this year, looking at the human side of things? So this is where, like, I know Andrew said what he said about Quickly's a pro and the whole thing. You don't have to worry about Emmanuel Quickly. No, you don't have to worry about Quickly at all in the perspective of coming in, trying hard, you know, all those things. Um, There's a lot of mouths to feed on this team. A lot of mouths. A lot of guys who want shots. Um, you already got centers who have the lowest collective usage rate in all of basketball. You already have two guards or wings in Josh Hart and Dante DiVincenzo who are in the bottom third of usage league-wide for wings that played as many minutes as they did last year. You have Quentin Grimes who has one of the lowest um, usage rates for starting uh, starting guard in all of basketball. Um, and now you have Manuel quickly. And, you know, like, <laughs> I would expect him to have roughly the same usage as last year. I don't think it's going to go up, but like, how, like, you know, will, will he be slightly more inclined to look for his own shot? I don't know. I Maybe he will, maybe he won't. I don't think so. I, I hope not. I, I guess, yeah, I mean, that, but that's really the only concern. And then, like, the human side of things, like, I don't know. Is he going to, like, not be all in? No, I, I, he's going to go out there. He's going to play hard. Obviously, he's going to play hard. He has a contract. Bet on himself. He's contract on the line. He's going to play his butt off. But in terms of, like, always making the right play and all that kind of stuff, like, you know, you never know. Then again, R.J. Barrett got paid, and I didn't think he looked past nearly as much as he should have last year, but I don't know if that's a that's to do with the contract or just that's an R.J. thing. Thanks, Hamdi. Alex, this looks particularly bad for a team that has only extended one first-round pick since Charlie Ward. It is a bad look. From that perspective, it's a bad look. And yet, and yet, I wonder if you're going to get a lot of critiques around the league. Um, and again, we'll wait for the reporting to come out. Um, some that's that's something tells me this is going to be viewed a little bit differently. And let's remember the reason the Knicks didn't come to extensions with any of their first round picks since Charlie Ward's because they all stunk. That's not an issue here. So is it a, a particularly bad look? I, I'm not. I'm not doubting you, but I'm. I'm, I'm not as sure. Um. Anyway, let me read the rest of Alex's comment. Fuck this. I'm going back to the beach. Aloha. <laughs> Great comment, Alex. <laughs> Um. Uh. Do 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 do. Okay. Sorry. I'm just catching up on on tweets here. Uh. Jostle focused. Uh. FTLT. What does FTLT mean? Uh, first John time, Jay. long time. Oh, first time, long time. Sorry, it's been a long day. How does today's events affect your belief in which young player is being packaged in the first available star trade from New York? Uh, it doesn't. It was a manual quickly before today, and it's a manual quickly after today. 
Doesn't change it one iota. Sorry for quick trite answer. Uh, with another one from Ja, vibes for the seas has changed very quickly. Am I, vibe for the season has changed very quickly. Am I right? Uh, not, you know, I don't know. I don't know that this isn't really. I mean, I would have liked, I would have liked this to get done because I would have really. I think Emmanuel quickly on like the number that I predicted, which was four for 90. I think that's a nice asset. That's why I wanted it done. I have said on several shows over the course of the last few weeks and months that um, I don't see that. I really don't see there being any way that Emmanuel quickly is on this team after the season. So like for me today is more like, well, that makes life a little bit more annoying, but it doesn't change my personal like vibes going into the season because it doesn't change my overall long-term outlook. It's just, it's the how has changed a little bit, not the what. Uh, oh boy, here we go. Robert Cross, first time, long time, John. As my dad always says, it's better to be pissed off than pissed on. Uh, sure, I guess so. Hashtag 53 wins. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate you as always. Uh, Robert with another one. Is it fair and reasonable to say I will be bench pressing during the town hall tonight? No doubt. Hashtag 53 wins. That's right. Shout out to all of our patrons. We have a town hall coming up, I think, 830 tonight. For uh, Mellow, no, not Mellow, sorry, uh, Monroe tier patrons and, and higher. Always look forward to those. I'm sure it'll be a spirited event, as always. Robert Cross with another one. Um, FTR, Andrew? For the record. For the record. Thank you, sir. I do not agree with the business decision. Guards are too valuable and IQ is too versatile. Hashtag 53 wins. Um, all guards are not created equal. You know, um, if 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 we were, I mean, I'm about to. If we were talking about a version of Quentin Grimes that was two inches taller and it shown more off-ball shooting gravity, well, then we wouldn't be talking about Quentin Grimes. But like, it's not that the Knicks aren't in a position to be paying two guards, you know, over fifty million dollars a year combined. It's are the Knicks in a position to be paying? Two guards who ideally, ideally play the same position. Um, if we assume that the quickly number was north of twenty-five, and we assume that Jalen Brunson is going to get to get the max when he could extend uh, one one year from now, less than a year from now, then it becomes a question of: Is it wise to pay two guards who essentially play the same or ideally play the same position? Um, $75 million a year? Because guess what the average annual value of Jalen Brunson is going to be? Um, it, it's not actually, it's not going to be 50, but it'll be in the high 40s, mid to high 40s. So, okay, 70. Let's call it 70. I mean, I know the cap's going up, but $70 million is going to be at least around half the cap for still the next couple of years. Robert Cross with another one. First time, long time, John. When you wish upon a star is Disney, uh, and the reality is much harder to bring someone into the fold in today's NBA. Hashtag uh, 53 wins. Uh, when you wish upon a star is... Oh, yes. This is the Robert Cross uh, memorial. Uh, we don't need to trade anybody. Uh, we have everything we, we need right here. You've eventually landed the plane. Proud of you. There okay. you go. There you go. Uh, which it, I... I that's Robert. No, I'm not, I was going to say that's, that's about as, um, that's about as believable as uh, pick your, pick your Disney movie, but 
you know, agree to disagree there. Dom Cappuccini with another one. I don't believe it's possible that IQ can ever be a toxic asset. Okay, well, let's let's go down this road. I do under, understand how over 23 million annual is probably not good business for Rose and Co. I hope IQ eclipses last season. We're not talking about toxic asset here. To be clear, not talking about toxic assets. We're talking about an asset that another team covets. And maybe more than covets doesn't have to consider any downside risk. Like, let's just say for argument's sake, Emmanuel quickly goes out this year and is roughly the same player he was last season. I don't know. Maybe his three-point shooting goes down a, a hair. Um, I think he shot 37% from deep last season. Let's say you know, shoots 35%, 36% from three this season. It's fair. I don't think that's crazy. And um, he has an uneven playoffs, let's say. Let's call it uneven. So maybe a little bit better than last year, but like not what you'd call good. If there's another four years and hundred plus million dollars on his deal and he doesn't take a material step forward as a player this season, that's not a deal that anyone in the league is going to be beating down the next doorstep to get. Now, to be clear, I don't think... I don't think Emmanuel Cookie is going to have that sort of year. I don't think the Knicks think Emmanuel Cookie is going to have that sort of year because if they did think he was going to have that sort of year, they wouldn't have offered him anything uh, nearing what. And, and again, the reporting for the reporting to indicate that all on the way, we think a deal is going to get done. We, do, we think a deal is going to get done. That says to me at the very least that the Knicks were always making willing to make a real offer. And they would not have made that real offer if they did not believe in Emmanuel Cookie as a player. But like, it is your job as a president of basketball operations to get, to be the opposite of a fan and to consider all outcomes, all possible outcomes, you know, and do the math. Like, well, what are the odds quickly regresses this year? Are there 5%? Are they 10%? Are they 15%? You know, and what is that contract? What does this contract look like? What does contract a look like in that event? What does contract B look like in that event? What does contract C look like in that event? So on and so forth. It's your job. It's your job. It's what you have to do. That's why Leon Rose gets paid whatever the hell he gets paid. Mythic Monty with another one. I have to root for the jersey and not just the guy in it. I love IQ, but anything that serves the goal of a star consolation trade is a good decision. Yeah, I mean, and yet as I read, I completely agree with you, Mythic Monty. I, I'm of the same boat. And yet I read that and I'm like, man, that that sounds so cold. Um, yeah, you, yes, you root for laundry, but like, you know, it's so much better when you get to root for the players in the laundry. Um, and I, at the end of the day, like I think Emmanuel quickly has connected with more fans in a really special way than, I don't know. I mean, certainly any Knicks since the nineties. Um, yeah. So it's tough. Uh, DL DBLU. Great show. Um, thanks. This was a business move on Quick's part. Uh, yeah, say that. Uh, a gamble, but strictly a business decision, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, sure, you could say that. Um, I think it carries risk. I think it carries risk, but you know, again, we don't know where the Knicks came in exactly. Who knows? Maybe the Knicks topped out at like four for 80. 
And if the, if if Quick's looking at that and is a, and and is talking and is telling himself again, I'm just again throwing this out there. I don't know this. Let's say the Knicks came in and they wouldn't and they want they were at four for eighty, and Quick was like, "Nah, that's not a serious negotiation." And here's why: if I go out there and I stink up the joint, stink up the joint, someone's still giving me three for fifty next year at like with their eyes closed. I and I, I if I have the worst possible season imaginable, you know, so like. What is he really losing if the Knicks were there? Now, how high do the Knicks get have to get for it to make it a difficult decision for him? Well, that depends on what he thinks he's capable of. And if he genuinely thinks that there is a team out there who is willing, who is going to offer him in the neighborhood of 25 to $30 million a year, then what do you need to see from the Knicks to make you sign on the dotted line right now, especially considering you know you're always going to be a backup here? Is it 25? Probably 25, right? So when you, you know, the more you talk about it, the more you're like, you know, maybe we were all silly to believe that this would get done. Thanks, Bill. CT Pittman, um, not mad after seeing other players who didn't get extended either. Quickly didn't help his case in the playoffs. And I love Quick as Nick. Um, no, he didn't. Um, you know, look, he, so, so other players didn't get extended. Like Pat Williams didn't get extended. He's the other big one that didn't get extended. Zach Lowe intimated on his pod the other day that Williams's camp was looking for. He, I, he didn't say it, but I read between the lines of what Zach was was saying on his podcast, and it sounded like Pat Williams' uh, group was looking for twenty five a year. Um, which like that to me is more like if he ever got that. Then, like that, to me is a more like if I if I'm someone who's upset right now that Emmanuel Cookie didn't extend, that doesn't make me feel better because that's a situation where if Pat Williams, who's a guy who like is still very much more theoretical as an NBA player than actualized, which is not quickly at all. Quickly is fully actualized, and like he was looking for 25, and the Bulls were probably sitting there like, man, we'll you know we'll do three for. 60 or something or like maybe you know four for 72 or something like that we're not coming close to 20 like that's a that's a reason to take something into restricted free agency because sides are just so far apart or like uh the uh two years ago with sexton and when they were in the position that quickly is in now when they were looking for a uh a big number and and the Cavs were just like we think we're not like, cause he had just averaged like 24 points a game and the Cavs were just like, yeah, we don't see you as that player. And they didn't like, those are the situations typically that result in something going to restrict the free agency. I think that is to counter what I just said a minute ago. That's why this did feel like something that was going to get done because like, we all know what Emmanuel quickly is. We all know how good he is, how valuable he is to this team. The Knicks know that quickly knows that everybody around the league knows that, but there is this underlying thing. And now I'm again, I'm talking. We already talked about the Knicks angle of it, specifically from Quickly's camp of what could he be as a starting role as one of as a team's primary or secondary, maybe ball handler. And A and B, in conjunction with that, that opportunity will never happen here. There is a zero. Like, how many? Here's a good question. How many guys who are in contract negotiations with their respective team that drafted them? for something in the $100 million range 
know that it is black and white ironclad that they will never start for the franchise that they are on. How often has that happened before? Onyeka Okongwu just signed for four for 64. And there is a, he's a backup to uh, Clint Capella. There's a much better chance that dude starts. Now, that's not quite analogous because he plays center and center kind of has its own set of financial um, parameters in the NBA the way, the way it's played now. But like, it's just, you know, that's another part of it. You know, like maybe Quick's, again, I said this before, maybe Quick's number was so high because he's like, I want to start. So I'm either going to get paid like a main, a big time starter or, um, or I'm going to get my chance somewhere else. Nick's Hive Live, uh, $230 million for three players on your bench is crazy. Uh, let's see. What would that have been? Uh, quickly, Hart and DiVincenzo. I mean, um, I hate looking at it like that because you're it's it's comes down to annual dollar. It, the years matter. Years matter. To be clear, years matter. But like contracts are so short now that you kind of have to look at it annual money first, and then look at the years after that. Um. You know, unless there's like, unless it's like a huge, really, really, really big number where there's a chance of getting hurt on the back end, like the Gobert deal, right? You know, the Gobert or the or the Bradley Beal deal. Then you have to look at the total number because that, or like even the Dame contract, because then it's like, oh my god, the back end is going to really hurt us. Like, no, I, I'm not really concerned about the last year of like Divincenzo's or or, or hard steel. So like, I I don't. That's not really a, a great way to look at it. Capuchini with another one. I got it. The issue of why the Knicks could give him McDaniel's couldn't give him McDaniel's money because he ain't isn't three inches taller and fifty pounds bigger. Let's go Knicks beat beat Boston. It's, I mean, it's oversimplifying because like there are things like McDaniel's will never be able to do that Quick can do because Quickly is the size that he is. Um, you know, we know Quickly can run a team successfully. Uh, McDaniel's never going to do that. He's never asked to do that. That's not his job. But I do think it like. The Timberwolves could look, aside from the fact that the Timberwolves are right, they don't have to worry about making their big star trade because they already have their big star in house and Anthony Edwards. That's the that's the biggest part of the McDaniel's contract equation. They already have Edwards. They don't have to worry about getting Anthony Edwards. It's already there. The biggest thing for Minnesota is that there is no version of their future where it doesn't make a ton of sense to have Jade McDaniel's in their starting five. Um, playing 35 minutes a night, like as the wing, wing component, wing the Scotty Pippen to to Anthony Edwards, Michael Jordan. You know, however they build their team, whatever moves they make, McDaniel's is a like lock it down. He's going to be there. Will he ever develop the creation juice where he could legitimately call himself like a, a number three guy on a championship contending team? That's the unknown, and because of that unknown. He's settling, you know, air quotes here, settling for $27 million a year. But it's, I, 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 I don't think it's, I, I just, I cannot look at the McDaniel situation, uh, the contract and, and what quickly was looking for and say that that's apples to apples. I just don't think it is. Uh, the philosopher's take, John, why is there no talk anywhere about Hardenstein being on his last year? Is he expendable? No, but I don't, I don't think backup centers are like, you don't need to extend your backup center a year ahead of time. Um, 
And it's like, I don't think it's in, in really either team's interest, either side's interest to do so. Like um, the Knicks, Hardenstein's only, it's been here for only one season. So they're, they have very limited bird rights, whatever they are. I forget what the exact birds rights are, but it's very limited. So it's not like Hardenstein's getting a big raise. And if you're the Knicks, like, you know, you're, you're staring down the barrel of some dicey financial questions sooner rather than later. So I'm not sure you want to lock up a backup center for, you know, X number of dollars. What do we take for him to, to sign right now? Robert Cross, first time, long time, John. My comment was referencing Giannis coming off the market. Uh, for the record, Hart wins you 50, Hart you 53 wins. Um, Giannis is one star. There will be others. You know it, because there always are. May not be a star you like. May not be a star you like. Someone will be out there. And that and the, sorry, one last thing on that. The, the, that's the real irony of the McDaniel's contract coming the same day the quick that quickly doesn't get his contract extension. People talking about like you know, final nails in the coffin. McDaniel's getting this contract was absolutely the final nail in the coffin in Carl Anthony Towns' long-term tenure with the Minnesota Timberwolves, unless they go out there and they like, you know, make the Western Conference finals this year and look like they could win a championship as currently constituted. If they do that, then like they'll keep the team together. But if they fall short of that, then, you know, Towns going bye-bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, JBRI, what's going on, man? IQ is my favorite Nick, and while his trajectory is much different than uh, Julius Randle's, didn't we just watch a single-year breakout that led to an extension everyone hated? Um, if he proves it, if he proves it, that's a win for the Knicks. Uh, I love that you made this comparison. I love that you made, you never know what's going to happen. Like, you know, Julius Randle's one of one. You know, um, but <clears throat> and and look and, and RJ too. Like there were points in time last year where we were looking at that RJ extension, being like, "Oh man, is this a is this a neutral asset?" Like I, I mean, famously because people love to throw it back in my face, but I called uh, RJ Barrett uh, matching salary before the playoffs started because he was at that time. Playoffs changed that. Now I think teams more see him in line with how many of his biggest fans have seen him over the years. Uh, but, you know, it, do, it doesn't take a lot. You know, when you're talking about non-star players, it doesn't take a big drop-off to all of a sudden be like, oh, how much is how much is left on that deal? So, Thanks, JBRI. 007 Angelo. Here we go again. IQ for Spider. Soap opera again. Well, not quite. Um... Funny enough, like quickly is the one guy that I would not expect to be a centerpiece of Donovan Mitchell trade talks if they do rekindle at some point in time. Um, like 
RJ Barrett just makes eminently more sense as the trade piece to go in a Donovan Mitchell deal because of how that Cleveland team is um is built and the fact that they already have Darius Garland. Like they're not gonna exchange their Donovan Mitchell problem, which is like, can we win it all with two small guards for a similar problem with a lesser guard, albeit albeit one that is better defensively, to be very clear. Much better defensively. And Zach Hallow. Halilovic. I hope I got that right. Do you have faith in McBride if we trade quickly by the deadline? I don't know how many more we have left, but if this is the last question, this is a great last question because to me, this sets up an utterly fascinating decision-making process, potentially. It is the last question, okay, for Leon Rose. I think quickly will be good, to be clear. I think quickly he's going to come out and he's going to have a really good year. And I think they will be able to get something real for him at the deadline. I don't know if it's the thing that is going to be what they want, though. Let's say, for argument's sake, that there is something out there at the deadline that the Knicks look at and be like, man, this is a good asset for quick. And it's an asset that is going to help us avoid restricted free agency. But, but, it's not it's not an asset that's going to make us better today and in fact it's not even a player let's say it's a draft pick now i've again there's a conversation i've had with andrew claudio in the past uh, reasonable minds may differ i still think the knicks are in a position where in looking to put together a compelling package for star it would behoove them to get their hands on an unprotected pick from some team that profiles as maybe not being that could be that not that good a few years from now. We don't have to go through all the picks that are out there, but those picks are out there in the league right now where teams own other teams, unprotected picks. I, I just wonder, I don't think they do it because this team through three years of Leon Rose and Tom Thibodeau has shown absolutely zero inclination to take a step backwards if they are good and we all expect the Knicks to be good, if they are like good at the deadline and there's a chance for them to get a, like a real, like an, a real good asset for quickly, would they even consider it with the prospect on their hands of we're going to take a step back now as an, uh, this year, you know? And like, what does that decision tree look like? Like if they think that there's like any possibility that quickly can make the difference in winning a playoff series versus losing a playoff series, would they just like completely not even consider any trade? Maybe. I don't know, but it all comes back to what your question is about, which is about the faith in McBride. I don't, I mean, as an off, as an offensive player, I, I just don't think those two guys are comparable right now. I don't even think you put them in the same discussion. McBride, I think is a, a stronger on ball defender than quickly. Um, I honestly haven't seen enough of him to have a real strong opinion about like which guy is better off ball. I would be inclined to say it's quickly because quickly is one of the best off ball defenders in the league at the guard position. Um, but offensively, like, man, it, it's a struggle when McBride's running point. Now he had some nice moments during the preseason. I'm sure he'll get some time during the year, uh, to run point. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. But that's a that's a part of the equation. That's the thing. Like today, this extension not getting done today 
opens up a lot of different things that now need to be taken into consideration with what the Knicks do from here on in with Emmanuel quickly. So McBride is a piece of that puzzle. I'll say that. And here we got another one. Sergio Esquivel, the non, the IQ non deal has irreversibly started three, the clock, the clock for a big trade by the deadline. IQ's days are over again. I, I don't agree with that because signing trades, you could do a sign and trade. Like it, it gets done. Um, it, it, uh, it happened last year with Colin Sexton. It happened the year before that with uh, Lori Markkinen. Lori Markkinen is a restricted free agent. Was a sign and trade to the uh, from the Bulls to the Cavs. Um, interestingly enough, the Cavs were involved in both of the last uh, sign and trade transactions. Uh, was Lonzo a sign and trade? I forgot that one. GMAC's telling me Lonzo too. Um, it, but that was that was a little different because the Bulls had, I think the Bulls had enough cap. To, well, I, I would have to look at that because I think that was just like a pick, right? Or did they send a player in that too? So I think it was more a pick. The point I think you're trying to make though it, it is wasn't, you can get something back for yeah, him. But, in, but I do want to be very clear. It becomes more complicated if both teams are operating over the cap, which the Knicks 1,000% are going to be operating over the cap. And there's a strong likelihood because of how the league is right now that the, whoever team that they would sign and trade him to will also be operating under the cap. Although, 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 if that team is, is trading a star um, to the Knicks, then perhaps that might not be the case. I wonder what team you might be referring to. I couldn't possibly find. Yeah, I mean, let's just say it. I, I, that's kind of a, a, a cloud, not a cloud hovering over all this, but it's off to the side. Like, I know Emmanuel Quickly and Tyrese Max are your best friends. I don't know if I'm any team that I would want to invest seventy plus million dollars a year in those two guys any more than I would want to invest seventy plus million dollars a year in Jalen Brunson and Emmanuel Quickly. I mean, I I think one is better than the other, so I'm I'm not the right person to ask this. But at that point, if that's your team, you're kind of rebuilding anyway. So yeah, but like, why? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like at that point, you. I mean, how tall is Anthony Simons? Who cares? He's how tall is Scoot Henderson? Like I'm saying, you can't invest in two guards. I'm saying when like <laughs> they're a tanking. They're a tanking team, and if Simon stays long term, it's pretty much set in stone that he's going to be the sixth man coming off the bench if he stays. And I am saying, if those are your two guards in your Philadelphia, after what is most likely a James Harden trade and a Joel Embiid trade, you're probably tanking. It's a little apples to oranges because the Simon's contract was signed at a point where they were still trying to win under Dame, and they thought Simon's furthered that effort, and it was a fair enough deal. Whereas this would be. Philadelphia making an affirmative decision to like, we are going to start our post Joel and Embiid rebuild with these two small guards. A little different. That's all I'm saying. Not saying they can't pivot, not saying they don't have the years to pivot, but I'm just throwing it out. There. What's the, what was Utah's plan after they traded for marketing? Cause couldn't it just be that then? Like we didn't what think they were going to be good last year, but I think Utah, was just in talent acquisition mode. Like, let's just get get guys in here. Let's let them I play and let's see I how can't they that do. Be Philly after a, a Joel Embiid teardown. Sure, because that's, that's my thought. Is that if this Harden, if when this Harden thing officially is resolved, 
And if we're talking about a scenario where Philly is willing to trade to a division opponent, that's their fair. MVP. I, they're probably not thinking about how good their team is afterwards. They're just I, looking at it from an asset acquisition and a talent acquisition perspective. Sure. But I think the Knicks... I'm sure I get my wording right here. I think the Knicks are counting on another team viewing Emmanuel quickly in prospective trade talks in a different light than Utah viewed Laurie Markinen in the trade discussions with Donovan Mitchell. I think at the time, Utah was like, hey, great. Listen, if the Markinen thing works out, great. I don't think in their wildest dreams they thought it was going to turn into this. I think the Knicks are have to be counting on at this point another team looking at Emmanuel quickly as like we want we want him you know so what the, i mean the version of the Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks trade in which RJ went out and Utah flipped them and the assets that they got back were going right back to Utah that's what you're saying you hope the Knicks you think the Knicks are hoping is that quickly goes out in this trade and Philly's looking at it from the perspective of we can flip him yeah, or and like, and in this three, in a three or four team trade, that's, the team that gets quickly sends their assets to that, Philly. Like, I, for quickly to have the value that the Knicks hope he has, if they're going to pull off this sort of trade, the team acquiring him can't be like, oh, we'll see how he does. Worst case scenario, we flip him for something else. Like, I think the Knicks are counting on some team looking at quickly as a cornerstone piece for them, and counting on the fact that the they will, if when if teams are like, well, why wasn't he a cornerstone piece for you? They're just going to look at that team and be like, well, we have Jalen Brunson. Like, it was never going to be that here. It doesn't mean that can't be that for you. And I think they could say that with a straight face because people like you and a whole lot of other people believe that completely. Yeah. I think there will be teams next year when I, we approach restricted free agency that I don't think it's ever going to come to that. I, when like just, as far as throwing him a bag is just concerned. Like, I, I think, just don't. I don't think he's good. I don't think it's good. I don't. Let me be very clear here. I don't think it will do. The Knicks will be put in a situation where it's like uh, uh, making a team up. Orlando, mm -hmm. four for four for the max, or four for one thirty. Oh, that's not. That's not what I'm suggesting. I, I could see four one thirty. I'm not. I'm not just, saying the max though. Forget the forget the number. I don't think he's going to sign an offer sheet with another team. You think you will get? Traded and extended. I think. He, I think at this point, if you're asking me to predict, which I've or obviously I've already been wrong once because I thought he was going to sign this extension. I think he, if he doesn't get traded at the deadline, which I would be inclined to say he doesn't, I think he's going to be sent out in a signing trade. Two more came in. Well, okay. first of all, Sergio had a follow up. He meant to say his days are over. Heartbreak emoji. Well, again, I don't think today made that difference, but yeah. Um, thanks, Sergio. Uh, Two more doubles. Empathize. I am. But I am. No, I'm sorry. I, I, yeah. Just, yeah. No, I, I am also sad. I think, as John is correct about, I do think the days were kind of numbered beforehand. That's, it would have been nice to not have this cloud over the season, and we could just yeah. talked about Star Trek next summer. Is but it now, be a cloud. You really? you brought up the minutes crunch. Like every single time, I don't want them to like lose a game because quickly only played 14 minutes, and then it's like, oh, I don't. Th did I imply that? No, but because of the minutes crunch, and now he's in a contract well, year. All right. We're, we're, we're 125 minutes into this. I feel like an idiot that I didn't say this explicitly. I'm going to go on the record right now and say, I don't think there is a chance in hell that Tom Thibodeau 
is going to allow the fact that Quickly's valuation is hanging out there on the win to influence one second of playing time decision-making on his part. If he thinks that Emmanuel Quickly is the best player to play and that happens to increase his value and make the lives of, of the Knicks front office more difficult, I think he's going to play him. Is is that what you were implying? Because I know which is why I didn't mean to. I'm saying oh, okay. the fact that there is a minutes crunch. The way you avoid there being any, like, say he wants 30 minutes a night, which is what he was averaging after but he was the that anyway. Right, but it's less of a necessity to showcase what you are in a contract year when you've already been paid. But that's I, my to point. Be, it's all the things I said during the summer, at least from my perspective, was like the way you avoid any like trade him next summer for the star. That's fine. But like the way you avoid any of the awkwardness, which it's one of my, my awkwardness. Hope, my hope is that there isn't. It's why I led I with the thought that IQ is a pro and he will walk in and be like, with what's given to me, I will make the best of it yeah. and get a team to pay me next summer. He that's the other part of it, which I do find a little interesting about this is like. He knows how many people are on this team that are going to demand minutes and deserve minutes. Like he has enough confidence in his own abilities that he, because again, he knows Tibbs. He knows Tibbs is going to play his best guys. He believes he's going to be one of Tibbs' best guys, and he's going to make himself even more indispensable than he was last year. And to that, I say God bless. Um, 007 Angelo not paying IQ get yet Fournier gets money. Uh, to not play. What the hell? This is one has nothing to do with the other. We're about eight, we're about eighteen well. steps past this double oh seven inch. Yeah. Listen to what I said about that at the beginning of the year. Or beginning of this of uh this live stream. Uh Dom Cappuccini, I look forward to Begley's revealing report on this. See uh see y'all at the town hall. I just want to know a number. That's really where I'm at right now. Where how far apart were they? There's a thought that like IQ was just turning down anything because he wants to be able to control where he goes next summer, but you know, who knows? Well said. All right, we're done. Yeah. Uh, thanks everybody again. Um, sorry. I, I thought it was going to get done. I really did, but there are reasons why I didn't. We've talked about them. Hopefully at the very least, like I said at the top, everybody is at least a little bit more in the, in the clear on the, the why even if you are still very upset on the what. Uh, on that note, we will see you for a what post game live stream tomorrow or two nights for now. Sorry. Uh, after the first game, uh, other pods coming your way. I'm going to go record the first pregame pod of the season at right now, which was delayed by an hour and a half because Emmanuel quickly was not extended. So tune in for that. Shout out to Jack uh, Simone of a Celtics podcast that I'm blanking on because it's on my rundown of hold on. I'm going to say it before we go of how about them C's podcast. Um, so tune in for that. We'll have plenty of other content as we now pivot from all trade and contract talk to basketball, our favorite sport. We love it when they dribble up and down the court. So that was good. All right. We'll see everybody later. Talk to you soon. Peace out.